Join us as we gather around the hedge, where we dig into technology, business, and culture with the finest minds in computer networking. Well, hello, Jeremy. Glad to see you're back with us on the hedge today. Um, I think you said you're in Florida. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. yeah in Florida for the summer, uh, the early summer, I guess, this year. So, yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's weird to me because it, seems, it feels like to me you should go to Florida for the winter. Yeah. Yeah. I've had this <laughs> issue for, for years. My, my kids are in school up in uh, the northern area. So we usually okay. come down for the summer. Of course, the summer started, uh, I don't know, early March this year. So, so it's so going to be a long pick, season. Yeah. So you pick the coldest time of the year to be in the north. And yep. you pick the warmest time of the year to be in the South. I don't get yeah. it. Yeah, my, kid, my kids play ice hockey, so, uh, oh, so I okay. guess it all makes sense. But yeah. yeah, yeah, you can't play ice hockey in Florida. That would be <laughs> hard. <laughs> and today we're being joined by Eric Osterweil, who I know from way back at VeriSign Labs. So good to talk to you, Eric. And you have Thanks moved on me. from VeriSign Labs. It's good to be with you all. So why don't you tell us where you are now and what you're up to, because it's interesting in and of itself where, where you are right now. Okay, sure. So uh, I'm on faculty in the computer science department at George Mason University in Virginia. And um, like you said, we were both at VeriSign together in the labs. And so after that, I came down the street and went back to higher education from uh, actually working for a living. You're just a professor. Are you adjunct or are you, you're on full-time staff, but uh, what kind of, where did they start? Tenure track. No, I'm a tenure track professor, so you know, fully committed to, to the situation. And uh, I work on cybersecurity generally. I do a lot of work still with DNS. Some work maybe more in the near future back in uh, interdomain routing security, we'll see. But right now, very much on DNS, DNS security, et cetera, um, and uh, bringing students along and doing research there. What we're here to talk about is, you know, there's a lot of discussion about degrees versus certifications. And most of the time when we talk about this certification stuff, we end up talking from the perspective of people who have certifications or who have developed certifications. So I'm perhaps a little bit of an exception because I've helped develop a couple of certifications, CCIE, CCDE, CCAR, and I have a degree in design and architecture from Capella University, which I don't think they offer anymore, but nonetheless... And that's the degree I have, and I have a bachelor's and a master's in that. But I think that often we just don't talk about the degree as much as we could, right? We talk about, oh, what it's good for and blah, blah, blah. But we don't actually do a lot of um, justification and defense of the degree as something that should do. we should do. So I think what would be really cool is to start, Eric, with your description of what getting a degree in some sort of network-related field might look like, like whether it's cybersecurity or network architecture, or maybe even start with what, what kind of degrees are out there from, from George Mason specifically. Well, so I think probably what, I, what I'd start with is just the computer science degree itself. I think a lot of students, when they enter into the undergraduate programs, may or may not have a really clear idea where they want to end up, where they want to get to. And in fact, one of the benefits, I'd say, of starting with a sort of higher education approach in a four-year degree is you have the opportunity and the right exposure to a lot of different fields to really, for each student, to find what they like and what they're good at. And so... Um, the, I think this is a, a really timely discussion, especially as um, a number of universities are starting to think about 
whether in the fall they'll offer online classes. A number of us, including Mason, went to online classes with the current uh, pandemic situation. And um, I, I think there, there is a bit of trepidation among students about what college will look like going forward. And I think now is a great time to underscore what it is that you get out of a four-year degree program, which is a great start. And it isn't to design you into being, you know, fully professionally up to speed and, you know, top-notch in, in a certain field necessarily. But what it's doing is it's giving you a good solid foundation. It's sort of like in basketball, you drill the fundamentals. So the four-year degree programs are designed to give you broad exposure and the solid fundamentals that you need to build expertise on top of. Okay, so just walk us through, like, what would some of that look like? Like, what kind of classes if somebody was going in? And again, what kind of programs are available, right? Because people are sitting out there thinking, oh, but there's only, no, there's only, um, there's only, like, comp side. Like, you would never go to a degree program for network engineering because nobody has that kind of stuff. So right. deal with that yeah. a little bit, maybe. Yeah, so that, that's a, it's a very fair question. And, and in fact, I have to probably wind up giving you a very couched answer uh, in part because of Mason, but just in general because of uh, universities in general, which is that a lot of times there are very diverse degree programs that are not necessarily the same. And that's usually designed to cater to students that actually do feel like they have a sense for what they want. So what, whereas computer science is a, is a general area and a general discipline, someone might say, no, no, I'm very sure I want to do cybersecurity. And in fact, George Mason has a new department of cybersecurity, which is distinct from the computer science department, specifically for that reason. So there are certainly places for people to go if, if you do feel like you know where you want to start. Um, but speaking just kind of, of computer science, just because it's a, it's a general department that a lot of universities have, what you'd start off with is where, what you could get in a lot of different places in a lot of different ways. For example, make sure students learn how to program. But sort of part and parcel with what I was saying before, the way you'll learn to program in a four-year degree program is less focused on get you out there as a frontline, you know, production code developing engineer and more about what are the fundamentals you need to learn in order to really understand what you're building, programming, and then go ne the next level up to say, I learned about abstract data types in my programming class, even though maybe I could have just learned simple programming. But that segues nicely into an architecture um, course, which might segue into a network architecture course. And so there's a lot of harmony built into the sort of the higher ed course curricula so that they fit together well and that they prepare students for the next level up. So you'll start off learning the program, you'll learn fundamentals, you'll learn, um, you'll learn theory, et cetera, and so forth. And these are things that not everyone finds super exciting. And the goal is really to give you step-by-step step as you progress from sort of the entry-level courses up until your senior-level courses, a, a very solid foundation to move forward and understand the nuances as you start to decide, as a student, what you're interested in, what you lock into. And so for me, it was networking and security. For someone else, it could be machine learning and AI. But when you show up in a machine learning AI course and you've been taught to program when you start looking at those Python um, modules that you're using, you understand a lot more about how things are stuck together is the goal of going through a structured four-year program. Describe to us a little bit like what would a what would a program like this look like? Like what kind of courses could people expect? And you, know, you talk about this 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 entire uh, like this program built to take you from one point to another. What, what does it look like? Well, so yeah, so uh, different universities and different departments will structure things differently. So, you know, I'll speak kind of like in generalities, but you'll start off with basically a core 
curriculum. You'll have to take certain courses. And a lot of times there'll be some introduction to programming courses. Um, a lot of schools include like an operating systems fundamentals course. So you can understand the, the, the inner workings of operating systems at some level. Uh, networking tends to be a big part of it because there's this thing called the internet that people probably can't live without, at least the people are watching. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you know, departments basically go down a list and they routinely revisit this. I mean, they may not revisit it every year, but it is routine for the faculty in a department to say, what is it that students really need to understand as a core, regardless of what they want to specialize in? So, like I said, different departments will identify different courses as being part of their core. But the goal is, what would you need to know in order to build your expertise on top of whichever direction it goes. And so, you know, Mason, we have programming, we have um, operating systems, we have networking, we have theory. And these are things that if you've taken your core, then we say, yeah, you understand enough about computer science that you can go off and find your passion and you'll be well prepared to meet those challenges. As opposed to, you know, if we only gave you one course, there's no way we could give you that one course that made you understand and sensitive to the, the, the nuances that you need, regardless of what direction you wanted to go. There's this idea of core. And then, you know, students, as you start to, as students start to understand what they like, what they want to do, you start building electives on top of that. You might specialize on top of that. And then going back to what you asked me before, there are different programs. There are different departments. So cybersecurity is a department for students that have said, no, no, I'm pretty sure I want to do cybersecurity. I'm really not into machine learning as a specialty itself or big data as itself. But, you know, we have data science um, uh, majors that students can get. We can specialize their degree. We can even get master's degrees that have a focus in certain areas. And so as you start to evolve, the departments start to accrete different things on top of your core curriculum to let you focus and demonstrate that you have focused on any number of different things. And those tend to change a little more frequently than the core. The core is there to make sure you can build those programs and you can do those things and your students will be ready for them. Eric, is something like this geared towards a fresh out of high school student or later career? What, what would you say? We, we try to do both. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it, it's primarily geared so that uh, the, enter, the bar to entry is high school. That's the goal of, of these programs. And, you know, we certainly get a lot of non-traditional students that, that come back after being in the industry, especially for something like a master's degree or something, but also undergrad as well. And so um, the, the goal is to make sure that you can walk in the door and you, you know where to get started, even if your background isn't super polished. If you come in and you say, yeah, I'm returning to school for a master's, you know, you may wind up taking some senior level courses or some master's courses that look like them. But yeah, no, this is really geared so that you can, if you've got a high school degree, then you will be able to slide into this. My personal experience is I got a computer science degree right out of high school. Um, I went in knowing I was going to be a programmer and I came out knowing I never wanted to do it again, um, <laughs> which I've kind of softened on. I, I, I enjoy it now. Um, but what I've always had difficulty doing is articulating the value of having gotten that four-year degree. Um, you know, again, in computer science, but even sort of the general four-year degree. And it's difficult for me to tell somebody who's 25, 30, 35 years old that it would be worth taking that amount of time, that, that sort of massive time commitment and, and putting it back into school. Um, when employers are generally happy to see a certification that that seems like a shorter commitment uh, some of them might not be certainly the world is is sort of composed of different strokes for different folks so there's definitely not one size fits all but what i tell you is that you know the i think one of the things that might if if 
if the undergraduate degree program has done its job well, it should help maximize, for example, what someone can get out of a degree program or a, a certification program. So, I mean, you know, that, that doesn't mean that you need to have a four-year degree in order to benefit from a certification program. But at the same time, the goal of the undergraduate degree is to say, I want you to understand the fundamentals of what's happening so it doesn't have to be taught to you by your instructor or that your instructor can say something very simply and you understand the background without just kind of limping through it. But the, the sort of the, the counter case is completely well made. There are any number of people that don't need this that have been quite successful with their careers. And it isn't to say, how could you possibly make it without an undergraduate in this field? It's nothing. I mean, we can show counter examples of that all up and down the field. You and I probably know dozens of people in the top of our head. So this is mainly just to say, if you want to give, if you're sort of coming out of school, like under, uh, high school, you want to give yourself a really good start understand the fundamentals that way when you go one direction and you want to pivot you've got the understanding of what the pit what you're pivoting to like you go from networking to ai i know what ai is because i took that undergrad class i thought was i was going to ignore <laughs> yeah now um I mean, it, it's noticeable when, when you work with somebody who has a four-year degree in computer science or computer engineering, the shortcuts they can take mentally to solving problems and to developing you know, network designs, that sort of thing, um, are hard to follow for people who don't have that foundational knowledge. It's, it's definitely noticeable. Hmm. I, I think even when you go into network, go into operating systems in general and understanding how memory is structured, right? And how a processor actually does its job. Then when you start talking about how you switch packets, then everything above the ASIC is pretty much a mystery unless you understand, you know, how's an operating system built? What does heap memory actually mean? What does text and data mean? What do those things mean? How does this actually work? What do you mean I have a, I have to, to do a context switch to get out of the kernel into user space? Why do I care about all that stuff, right? But if you understand operating system fundamentals, then you can back into that and say, yeah, well, that does make a difference. That, that does matter. Um, so I think those are important. Yeah, an interesting example of that was uh, you know, on, a, on a Cisco platform. Why can't I export NetFlow on that management interface? Um, you know, the understanding that those are completely separate control planes or, or planes, I guess. Um, yeah. Well, they're different fabrics, even, honestly, yeah. within the box. They're physically different fabrics. And I think, actually, you know, just to sort of jump in on this a little bit, I think one of the things that, you know, would really probably help encourage people to sort of stay the course in a four-year program that we're maybe starting to kind of wane a little bit in their interest is really getting a flavor of what you're all talking about. Like, it's really easy to say antiseptically, you need to know all these things in the core. And you're like, even if I was going to be interested in that, I may not understand that it's a real thing in real life. And I'm tired of learning out of this book. But it's like, that's one of the reasons why we really encourage students like over the summer, go get an internship, work with people that are actually doing stuff for a living, because you'll come back. And if you have hit on something you learned about in school, you might actually be excited or at the very least appreciate its place. But if, for example, you power all the way through a four year degree program without touching the real world, it's real easy to feel like, did I learn anything? And what was this all good for? Now, I'm, I'm glad you said that because um, 
that that's one of the issues with with finding somebody out of out of a university situation who has all of that theoretical knowledge but hasn't seen a CLI or you know a, a production CLI or doesn't understand the impact of of what they're doing at you know at a system level on the the bigger picture for a corporation or service provider or something. Does your program or, or programs that you're familiar with kind of blend that real world experience through whether it's like a I don't know a vendor type real world usage well, i guess so you know my answer so the the simple answer is they absolutely should but the real answer is, is that you know we we as sort of academia are, are unfortunately kind of like ships in the night with industry a lot of times you know we'd love to have our students go to internships but there's not a really good framework for us working well with industry to get those internships in front of our students it tends to be the case that if a student has got one of those internships it's usually of their own volition and that's too bad. I mean, we do have career fairs and we do have, you know, administrative staff who, who work on this, but I think it's a real missed opportunity because for industry, it's a recruiting opportunity. You know, you get a fixed interview for a summer. For us, our students get excited, they get some money, they come back with ideas. And, and it isn't that no universities or no departments do this. It's just, this is really something where I think we could do a lot better, you know, by our students. And I, I think, it would be great. I don't think there's anyone on faculty that would say anything other than, I'm so glad my student got, you know, an industry internship over the summer, but we probably don't pursue it as vigorously as, as faculty as we should. So we all would appreciate that. So, you know, we, we should probably like get in touch with each other more often about that. If you're aware of these sorts of things, I'd love to sort of throw some students at it. Gotcha. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's interesting too, because I think this does come out of just the misconnections between industry and the, the university side of things. Like a lot of these students would be perfectly willing just to do it for volunteer work, like just to get it done, just to do it. And I think also another thing that I, I participated in this program with um, CSUMB out in California, and they do a capstone project every fall. So they have their graduating master's students who do a capstone project. And I volunteer to mentor two or three teams and I try to think of some interesting problem they can work on in the networking space that they can go code it up and show something. I mean, in fact, I want to get some of them on the hedge because one of the projects was pretty cool recently about um, doing some visualization around DNS and stuff that turned out to be pretty neat. I think we could all do more of that as industry people to get more involved on the university side. I think the problem is where do you start, right? How, who do I call? Like for me, I know you and I know folks at CSUMB and I know folks at NC State and that's all great, but there's not like a, a website you can go to and say, I want to volunteer for some random college. <laughs> yeah. Right. Dice for internships or something. Dice for internships yeah. or mentorships for college students. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and the thing is, I'm sure that you know any number of people that are that are, they'll be watching this will basically say like, "Hey, what about my thing? I've got one of those." And I and it, it isn't the case. I think any of us are saying they don't exist. It's that it's the connection that it's not built into sort of the the fabric between academia and industry. So it's like we need to do a better job of making this kind of like, "Oh, which one are you using?" Or you know, if they coalesce to just one of three, it's like we use all three of the things that get our students working over the summer and bring them back with, you know targeted experience and the things that get them excited. So um, it, it isn't to say people aren't doing this. It's more to say, like, we need to do a better job of making those things successful. Yeah. One pushback you'll often get is this is all book learning, and it's not practical. And I think Jeremy jumped to this a little bit earlier and showing the justification for it. 
And, you know, I kind of gave part of my answer there, which is, yeah, but knowing the fundamentals is really useful. Now, is there something beyond that, Eric, that you would say is really important? I mean, you came out of industry. That's something that's very interesting to me about this is that you worked at VeriSign Labs. You worked on core security, internet core, DFC security for a while, DNS security and BGP security. That's mostly what we worked on was um, BGP security and D- intersection with DNS. What drove you to go back into this environment and the value that you saw there for people who are coming into this field. Yeah, so I think um, that's a great segue, and I'm going to try really hard not to try and break my arm, pat myself on the back or anything. Um, (laughs) I'll count on you all to keep me honest there. But, uh, you know, one of the things that I found was really useful is when I I was working there with you and, and all the other folks there and coming back was understanding the fundamentals lets you do a better job when you're actually confronting real big problems. So when there's like a real big, like we're working in the DFC or we're working with like the root of the DNS or whatever, you know, it's really easy to triage things and to sort of understand how things work and just move the ball forward. But real big change, real big impact, one, doesn't happen right away. It happens slowly. But it also happens better if you've got a better view of what's really happening down in the, in the bowels of things, the, the fundamentals we're talking about. So, the, so what that means is that had I not understood a number of the aspects of fundamentals that I think I do, um, I wouldn't have made certain choices, and I, I would argue probably some of our results wouldn't have been as big. And that isn't to say everyone that understands fundamentals is going to go and, and make a visible change on the world. But, you know, you're not going to win the lottery if you don't buy a lottery ticket. So, you know, this is one of those things where it's like give yourself the chance to really understand what's happening. And if you're one of those people that wants to move the needle, that really wants it to happen, this is one of those things that helps you. It doesn't mean it's a prereq. doesn't mean you can't make a big difference without it. But it's like buy yourself that lottery ticket. You know, what you get when you go to these four-year institutions is you get this structured core, you get to understand the fundamentals, but you're also, you're part of a community and a lot of universities are research universities. So, you know, your faculty members that are teaching you about something that you could learn in a book are maybe also out there doing cutting edge research. And they'll know other faculty members doing research in other fields in case you're not really into what they're doing. And being in that program gives you the ability to try different courses, try different directions, but also go and taste what people are doing at the forefront of research. If you couple that with doing some real industry work, like as an intern, and then meeting like a lot of the faculty members like me, we work with industry folks. And so the research doesn't necessarily live just in academia. If you really want to try and do something that's impactful, a university is a great starting point. I mean, just to make it clear, it's absolutely not the only starting point. Like I said before, we could all, each of us think of dozens of people that we know that make a huge difference in our world that didn't start there. But this is one of those like buy a lottery ticket things. And so universities give you this great fast mixing environment of different ideas, different approaches, and the fundamentals to really grok them. And that's what I'd say the real advantage is, is put yourself in a place to take advantage of it. Those professors I had, I mean, it's been 20 some years now, but the, the most memorable ones were the ones who were the adjunct professors who worked in industry. Um, you know, one, one built a service provider and, and taught us networking. And hearing that practical version of networking versus the theoretical versions, um, you know, for me, that's what led me down this path. So I, I, those are my favorites. I, I think, Eric, something you brought up there about community is really, really important. We tend to think of network engineering as a pure, strict meritocracy, just like we do coding, right? Or just like we do security. And that's really just not true. 
I mean, it's just not. 90% of like people ask me, I, I give this advice to college students all the time. They say, how do I go about finding a job? I'm like, the best way to find a job is to talk to people. I'm like, shouldn't I put out a thousand resumes? I'm like, no, <laughs> no, that's not going to get you a job. I, I have not gotten a job based on my resume in probably 15, 20 years. Actually, Cisco was the last job I got based on my resume, believe it or not. And that was 1996. So after that, it's all been because I know somebody, Danny McPherson at Ferrisign and Mike Bouchong at Juniper. It's because I know somebody and they say, hey, you know, I've got a position here and I think your skill set fits it. So let's go do this. And I think college can give you that kind of, not just because of the professors, but you're going to have a cohort, you're going to have people that you're working with in projects that you're going to get to know. And you're going to know them if you do it right, you're going to know them the rest of your life. And they're going to follow your career. And as you become more experienced, you can help them. And as they become more experienced, they can help you. And I think that's something we miss. You, it's harder to do that with certifications unless you go to a formal training class to get that certification. That's something I think is a, is a difference between the two. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, there, there's nothing to say that these things don't work very well together also. I mean, if no, you were right. to come out of a program and then you would go and do certifications, that makes perfect sense. You know, you're not going to learn the type of networking you need to learn in a university to go and get like, you know, a CCIE. It's not, you're not going to learn that in a university, but you learn in the university a bunch of stuff that probably helps you understand things. And then a CCID, CCIE helps you do things on top of that. So these things really, I think right now with people starting to talk about online classes a lot again, I think there is this concern of like, wait, is the university just becoming like a certificate minting program? Like, should I choose between the two? And I think it's really important for us to say, regardless of whether you're learning online or if, when we get back to campus, they are very different. They serve different goals. And those goals, they ought to work really well together. I mean, most of us, I think, would agree they do. So, Eric, can someone go through, I'm, I'm thinking more probably of the master's program that you would have than the, the bachelor's, but could someone do that while they're in industry still working? Yeah, uh, all of our master's program. Yeah, our, our master's program and most schools' master's programs are designed to you know, cater to, to professionals that are doing it part-time. Absolutely. Gotcha. Yeah. As a matter of fact, I would say that's what I did. And I actually think that is maybe the perhaps the best blend. Um, I got my CCIE first. I earned the CCIE first in 97. And then I finished my first master's degree a bit later than that, a bachelor's and a master's a bit later than that, my second master's degree a bit later than that. And so I think that Doing both is actually a really good thing. I think that it's, and you shouldn't feel like, oh, I'm a, I graduated from high school. I'm 10 years into my career. I've, 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 missed, I've missed my shot at getting a bachelor's degree or I've missed my shot at getting a master's degree. I think that's totally bogus. Here I am way late in my career. I won't tell you how old I am, but I'm doing a PhD and I'm not even doing a PhD in, in, in anything technical. I'm doing a PhD in philosophy. It's kind of crazy, right? But there it is. And so I think, that's, I think that's a very important thing to say to people is that just because you have a CCIE, CCDE, JCINE, whatever it is, go on, on, and on, don't stop. Keep going. And maybe if you feel like your certifications, like we had this whole discussion a couple of weeks ago, which isn't published yet about when should you stop recertifying? Well, maybe when you get to that point, you can say, I'm done recertifying, but I'm going to go get my degree. And it may be ad adjacent to what I'm doing right now. It yeah, may not be exactly a, the same thing. 
Yeah, and I could even maybe riff off that a little bit as well. So, I mean, there's also any number of people that we know that have pivoted about their focus in their career. And, you know, certainly you'd like to say, from what we've been talking about so far, if you've done a, a sort of a four-year structured program, you've got the foundation to pivot. But, I mean, if, if you're saying, like, I want to go from networking to doing big data analytics, and, man, I, I don't know a whole lot about machine learning big data, how do I do that? You know, one, I'd say if you, if you were to start over, the idea of an undergrad program should prepare you to make that pivot because you've got the base. But to the point I think you're making, uh, at least in tangent here, there's no reason that you can't say, look, I, I don't want to just read a couple books and then call myself a big data engineer. I actually want to know what I'm talking about. You could say, I'm going to go invest in a degree program so that I learn the proper fundamentals so I can pivot that way with a good foundation for the related fields that I may not even know I need to ask and maybe find out I didn't even want to go that direction. Instead of machine learning, I want to do, or instead of big data, I might want to do deep learning and go a different direction. So the degree program is a great place to say, don't feel like you need to scramble if you want to pivot. Come back, learn the core, and then choose because you're well prepared to make that choice. And I think another thing, not even necessarily just big data or whatever, but even security is a big one right now, right? Like you were talking about cybersecurity before. Well, just going and getting a certification, if you're already a CCIE or whatever, may give you some level of expertise. But rebuilding those fundamentals and understanding it, because you have the fundamentals in networking, maybe. I, you know, I know a lot of people who have certifications who don't know the fundamentals of networking. And, well, I know people with degrees who don't know the fundamentals of networking. Too. <laughs> All of the above. Yeah. I mean, I, I could tell you some really sad stories like going into a college and saying, somebody says to me, a professor would say to me, well, we want to understand what type of knowledge you're looking for as a network arch infra, infra architect in industry. Can you interview this professor who teaches in the program and see whether or not they would pass your interview? And they fail utterly miserably. <laughs> it's really sad. I'm like, come on, you're a professor. These are things you should know. Either way, you know, getting that fundamental set, say, for security or something is a big deal. It's really, really helpful. Yeah. I mean, honestly, so having just, you know, finished the semester and, and gone through the, the networking course, you know, the, the way we approach like, you know, things at the data link layer, you know, we don't talk about all the different technologies that people are going to run across. We talk about representative sets, you know, we talk about random access versus, you know, taking turns, et cetera. And so we'll talk about token ring, but it's not because we expect people are going to run out and run into token ring. I think it's real easy to find people that are teaching that that maybe say, well, I always taught token ring, so I teach token ring. I, for example, don't. I, I, I teach it because it's sort of giving you the exposure to the different thing. But I'm like, you know, you might see Fiddy somewhere. You're not going to see token ring anywhere. But this is what it's supposed to be teaching you. If you had this problem, you might try this, then you might try that, then you might try this as the best of both worlds. But here's what the world really looks like. And, and I think, to be fair, if someone stops short of that last part, and they're just like, look, there's three ways, and this is kind of... They would, people would gain the fundamentals, but I agree with you. It's really great when they have a faculty member that can give us some insight, like, let me just touch over to reality every time I teach you something abstract or some fundamental thing. And that, that's something that's harder to legislate. You know, you can't have every faculty member know to have the presence of mind to do that everywhere. But certainly a student could come and work for you and say, so what's the deal with this token ring thing? And you could disabuse them. <laughs> oh, no. I'm going to tell them to learn AT ATM, frame relay, and ARCnet. <laughs> your, your rate my professor is not going to look very good. <laughs> yeah, no, okay. Yeah. All right. I'm out. <laughs>
Um, I'll say one other thing um, that I see in the industry, um, and that is that once, and you're not going to be able to see this because I'm going to use my hand motions on a, on a podcast, which is useless, right? But um, once somebody achieves a certification of a certain level, a lot, of, a lot of folks feel like it's a step back if they then go back to the fundamentals, whether that is the bottom of another certification pyramid or back to school for, you know, like almost like remedial um, starting over. Um, any thoughts there on, on how to get yeah, it, it, it's It's one of the reasons I sort of said what I said the way I said it, however it was actually received. But yeah, that it, it can take, it can feel like, you know, you can feel crestfallen. You can feel like it'd be a blow to the ego to say, you know, I've, I've got the highest level certification in whatever we're talking about. And now I've got to go back and either get an undergrad degree or, or do a core curriculum in a master's program. I mean, I, I'm, I'm already up here. I don't want to have to jump back down. And yeah, it, it's really hard to swallow that pill. And I, I think it's, it's not for any real reason that it's hard to swallow that pill. It shouldn't feel that way, but you're right. It does. It's like, I don't want to start over and then have some antiseptic um, class tell me I don't understand something that I wish I did. It, and, and that's what I'm saying. Look at it like a lottery ticket. Maybe, you know, it, it's all how you reframe things. If you can look at it like I'm giving myself the ability to pivot. And you, do, you don't have to say that the faculty members know better about your expertise than you do. They're just teaching you how to build an, a, a foundation. And I, I don't know how to make, I, I don't know how people would necessarily feel good about that. But if they can adopt that perspective, it'd be helpful for them being able to pivot. And so I, I totally agree. You're right. It does look that way. Yeah. I mean, I guess my, I'll give a little advice for my own question, which is that, you know, getting into technology in general, like we, we committed to lifelong learning, um, whether we realized it or not, when we were getting into this field. And I personally find that going between structured learning and unstructured learning, kind of back and forth as a pendulum works really well for me. So, you know, achieving a certification or going for a degree program, but then the next year or two or whatever that amount of time is just somewhat random learning, you know, of, of just whatever interests you at the time. And then kind of pulling back to that structured learning again to kind of get on some sort of track. That works for me. Yeah. And I, I really like the way you, you started that off by basically we committed to lifelong learning. And I don't think, I, I suspect we would all agree with that. We could take a poll, but I think like whether we actively agreed on it or just sort of like passively had it in the background, it's true. And, you know, look at like what machine learning did. I mean, it showed up and now it became woven into security and, and people yeah. have it in SDN. It, it winds up being in a lot of different places. You could forgive someone that's been doing their job for a long time who doesn't know much about machine learning going, oh man, where do, where do I start with that? And it's like, to your point, maybe that's a good time to say, well, there's a whole curriculum that's designed to expose me to things like that without expecting that I'm going to be an industry master when I come out of it. And maybe now's a good time to go and say, walk me through what you think a computer scientist ought to know through this master's program. I, I think that would be a really harmonistic perspective. Yeah, the, the last 10 years or so in, in our you know, technical industry of networking has been the, the encroachment of programmability and, and learning to program. And gosh, you know, if I had a nickel for every time I heard somebody say, you know, I got into networking, so I didn't have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, for real, for real. Yeah. But yeah, you know, if we commit to, to lifelong learning, we, yeah, it, it might be worth us all admitting that to ourselves first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeremy, any place anybody can follow you? Do you have a blog? Or? Uh, 
I'm on Twitter at Jay Philibin and I have a website, jeremyphilibin.com. But uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. That's it. All right, cool. And Eric, so where can people watch you? I mean, I know that they can go to George, George Mason, right? Yep. And find your faculty page. That's one place they can find you, right? Yep. yep. That's the primary place. I, I, I'll be honest, I don't tweet as much as I used to. So uh, if, if you look for me, it's at Ganipganob, G-I-N-I-P-G-I-N-O-B. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's every possibility that uh, that'll light back up again. But uh, primarily, you know, I do uh, a lot of publications. We've got a few pubs coming out in uh, magazines. We have IEEE Computer having a two-part DDoS article series coming out starting next month. And IEEE Security and Privacy Magazine's got something coming out for me, I believe, next month or the month after. So, you know, magazines and, uh, and pubs. So the academic faculty page would be where you'd find a lot of that. Okay. Well, you should come back on the hedge and talk about those once they're published, because that's always fascinating to to work through some of the research type stuff that's going on. I think it's really important to do that. So good. And I'm Russ White. You can always find me at rule11.tech. I do have a Twitter account, but I never log in. So don't don't DM me on Twitter. I say that every time. I just, I don't even bother DMing me. If you want to get in touch with me, reach out to me on LinkedIn or an email. My email address is so, so difficult to find. I'm not even going to tell you what it is. So thanks again for Eric for coming on and we'll catch you next time on the head. Subscribe to the hedge on your favorite podcast service or follow along at rule11.tech.